Friday night, so I know where you are, and I'm happy you're with me. You know what time it is. It's time for the Logic and Larry podcast live from northeastern New Jersey in the northeastern portion of the United States of America. I'm your host, Larry Crane, Illuciato. For those who know my artistic side, I'm happy to have you. As you know, everything I say on this podcast is my opinion, and my opinion alone, as a private citizen, has no reflection, no basis in anybody else's opinion, and it doesn't reflect the professional opinion of any entity. Tonight is a nice night. It was beautiful all day. It was gorgeous. And this is Coltrane. This is Coltrane from the Blue World album, which was released only last year, interestingly. This was a album with a lot of takes, and it was actually made for a soundtrack for a film, and it was an interesting story how that came about. The songs that played before, one of them was by The Drums. That's a new up-and-coming, well, I wouldn't say up-and-coming, but new and established uh, band that does some throwback rock jams. If you see the NFL games, there's usually a commercial that has a little down-down baby rap song remix. That's a remix of one of their recent songs, believe it or not second song was New Order, which was a derivative, a band that actually came from the band Joy Division in the 80s, and you could see that song had the same sound as Joy Division had. Sadly, their lead singer died by suicide, and then they formed New Order, and then after that, they actually became more of a new wave band, and they did that song, How Does It Feel, you know, just treat me like you do, after that. Anyway, this is Coltrane. This is what I'd like to uh, speak over the top of, so that's why it's in the background. We got a good show for you tonight. We're going to have Sean Political Action Bracken. That's his new name. He's branding because the reception was so good on the Logic and Larry podcast that Sean's going to branch out into uh, a lot of other things, and I'm, I'm hyped for it. Uh, so I encourage you to support him in his new endeavors, Political Action Bracken. He'll be on soon to talk about the polls, what happened, what went right, what went wrong, and generally what's going on right now. I'm looking out, as I always am, at the Empire State Building. But the interesting thing tonight is that beyond the train that's leaving right now, the station, which is the PATH train to Jersey City, and then on to Lower Manhattan or Midtown, Manhattan. There's police lights. And I can see the police lights just beyond Penn Station, Newark, and then I can see them all the way up almost to Jersey City and the the Pulaski, not the Pulaski, Pulaski Skyway. Why are there police lights right beyond Penn Station and all the way to the Pulaski Skyway? Well, I'll tell you why. Newark tonight has restricted travel inside and outside the Ironbound District because of COVID-19. Now, if you're not familiar with the city of Newark, it's got five major wards, five major sections called wards, Central, East, West, North, South. Within those wards, there's a lot of neighborhoods. You know, you got Roseville, you got Forest Hill, you got Upper Broadway, Lower Broadway, you got Dayton, you got Weequake, you got Ivy Hill, you got Westside, you got Valesburg. Ironbound, Down Neck, as some call it. Got Military Park, Lincoln Park. So there's different neighborhoods, different wards. Right now, because of the spikes in certain neighborhoods, the mayor has enacted a a harsher lockdown. And tonight, the eastern part of the city, which goes from my part downtown by where Penn Station is all the way to Jersey City, 
and all the way, you know, all to Jersey City, which almost becomes Manhattan later through the tunnels and bridges, is shut down. And so there's police lights that I can see from my window blocking that area down. So you can't get in and you can't get out unless you're a resident or unless you have some official business to tend to, which is harsher than it was in the spring. But that makes sense because the numbers are harsher now than they were in the spring which is just crazy. And the mayor has announced that the day before Thanksgiving and through early December, we are going to enter a period of total lockdown. He's calling for even the corner stores, even the bodegas to shut down. I don't know how that's going to work because the state preempts the city and the state hasn't ordered any kind of lockdown like that. I also don't know how people are going to go, you know, get things they need, necessities, if they can't go to the bodega or the liquor store or you know, the deli, but whatever. We'll see how that turns out. COVID spiking, and that's the world we live in, and that's the world we got to deal with, so that's the world we're in, isn't it? I'm broadcasting to you tonight. I, I, I took last week off, and I'll be honest with you, I'm going to take next week off. I hope you'll listen, though, because I recorded a really substantive and interesting interview with Ian Franz, a good friend of mine for years now, who works for the United States Postal Service. And given all the different rhetoric being thrown around and all the things in the news about the USPS, I thought it would be a good idea. Well, really, he thought it would be a good idea. He's a longtime listener. He thought it'd be a good idea to kind of shed some light on some of the inner workings of the Postal Service and what what happened during the election, what didn't happen during the election. And it was honestly, I tell you what, I, I learned a hell of a lot. And I'm always trying to learn. I'm always learning. But I learned a whole lot talking to him. So next week, we'll have a pre-recorded show, and we'll have that interview on that show, and I hope you'll tune in. This week, I'm hoping that a lot of you are going to call in after Political Action Bracket comes on and talks about uh, the things we're going to talk about. Because there's a lot going on, right? Whether it's COVID and the Thanksgiving holiday, whether it's the current state of the presidential, what are we calling it? Is it the transition? Is it the lack of transition? Is it the election? Is it post-election? Is it the lame duck session? Is it a child without a toy? A child throwing a tantrum? What is it? What is it? And yeah, I know, people don't like pre-recorded. They love, I've heard from more and more people that they really want it live and pre-recorded. It's not the way they prefer it. And, and it's interesting, that goes for people that listen live and people who listen after it being live. They both like the live version better. I don't know if it's my energy, but a lot of people like the callers. But, uh, you know, aside from that, maybe it's Rick. Maybe Rick's just got that sparkling personality that people just love, and, and that's what it is. Maybe I have to have Rick on the pre-recorded versions just to keep everybody happy. I don't know. But, uh, look, we are in the midst of this um, lame duck session. Donald J. Trump, who's apparently the president, they tell me, still, He's uh, barely done anything except hunker down in his bunker, whether that's his bedroom or his dining room table or the local McDonald's. I don't know. But he's hunkering down and he's just basically trying to talk about and do election stuff. Meanwhile, the pandemic is raging. We talked about this last week, or I talked about this last week. The fact that this is just like 1918, where numbers are spiking in the fall way higher, way, way higher than they did in the spring. And that was to be expected and that was expected. And 
So, and by the way, that, that's, yeah, my, my father's idea now is where every time we call, every time the media or we talk about Trump, we just got to call him loser. Just get under his skin. Because he is a loser. He lost. But COVID's spiking so bad now um, that, you know, it's, it's worse. So I understand. But, but Trump, <laughs> when we need him most to be the president, he still has another two months left in the presidency to be leading on this COVID situation. He's basically just MIA, missing in action. He's nowhere around. Pence came out the other day for a press briefing, but then he refused to answer questions. So we have no clue what's going on, not to mention they're blocking the transition to Biden now, which seems like, oh, it's just petty. Just let it play out. Who cares? Except for the fact. Except for the fact. And he may be in the bunker in the basement of McDonald's, as long as he's not in the basement of a pizzeria, because, you know, that's where the trafficking takes place, apparently. But... So, you know, the president of the United States is he's not he's missing in action. He's not giving us any updates. And the transition is the biggest thing, right? Because the transition, the transition here, we have a vaccine that's going to come out either right when Biden takes office or right after or right before. So there's this Operation Warp Speed, and there's this whole strategy to distribute the vaccine that's in place that Biden is not getting any information on. He's not privy to any information because Trump's refusing to share information with him via the transition, right? He's refusing to start the briefings, the actual inside access that most presidents usually get when they're incoming from an outgoing administration so that the transition can be seamless so that we, the people, don't suffer. But it seems as more and more Americans die, as more and more people can't go home for the holidays... As more and more businesses are going to shutter forever because of lockdowns, which are necessitated by the epic and rapid proliferation of the virus across the continental United States. We have a president who doesn't care enough to even go forth with a transition that will allow Biden and his administration to assume power and be able to seamlessly transition so that the American people will be in a better place, so that the American people will be protected, so that the American people will have a leader who's been apprised of the situation and can hit the ground running. We've been robbed of that and continue to be robbed of that by this man in office. Donnie. Donald J. Trump. The latest news today was that Junior, Don Junior, Don Junior, he's got COVID now. I mean, everybody, you know, it's, it's crazy. It's like you could play games. You could say, oh, I kind of like his policies. I don't like Biden. You could say whatever you want. Let's be honest. The guy is supposed to be in charge of handling the pandemic for the United States of America. And literally everybody in his damn circle, including himself and now his own son, has gotten the damn disease. Obviously, they don't know what the hell they're doing. 
Why are we even pretending that it's a question anymore, right? Other countries have done much better on this. We are struggling mightily. Our numbers are through the roof. Why, when you see our numbers doing so horribly, and then see his own inner circle getting the damn virus, would you ever presume that he knows what the hell he's doing or that he's even close to done a decent job on this thing? The proof's in the pudding. He's done a horrible job. Now his own son has the damn virus. Everybody keeps getting it. Now you look at Biden. On the other hand, they had... Kamala's one director of something caught it, and some pilot that's not even affiliated with their campaign caught it, and then all of a sudden they quarantine right away. Has Kamala gotten coronavirus? No. Has Joe Biden gotten coronavirus? No. Has anybody in their circle, aside from those two people, out of this whole thing gotten it yet? No. Now, does that mean they're not going to get it? No. I mean, everybody's susceptible to it. It's not like, you know, you can say that it's every all your fault if you catch it. However, Trump's entire circle and him already got it, and now his son. Okay? It's ridiculous. It's evident. The proof's in the pudding. He can't handle it. He doesn't know what to do. He has no clue what he's doing. And it's a microcosm of everything else he's done in this country. He doesn't know what he's doing. He was along for the ride. He picked decent people. Like, Mnuchin's okay. He rode the Obama wave on the economy. He did well with that for a while because he didn't screw it up anyway. That's what he did. That's what he did. But once he had to actually do his job and handle a situation that was coming at him, he had no clue what to do. It's like a quarterback who's handing off the ball to a star running back all day, every day. It's like handing off to Larry Zonka. Bob Greasy wasn't the best quarterback ever. He's a Diesel Hall of Fame quarterback because he handed up. But when a time came that the blitz was coming at him and they were stopping the run, he had to throw it downfield to poor Wallfield, Paul Warfield. He did it. Trump, he's handing the ball off, handing the ball off, handing the ball off. Everything's okay. Everything's okay. Despite the fact he stumbles over his own ankles, despite the fact he mishandles a snap, despite the fact he can't call the offense correctly, the running back's handling it. He just keeps handing it off. But as soon as a blitz was coming at him, as soon as he had to make an actual decision, as soon as he had to actually march the team down the field, he fumbled the ball. Then he threw two interceptions. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's not equipped. And I can say this stuff because the election's over now. He's the outgoing president. I'm just calling him out. I'm calling a spade a spade, guys. That's it. He doesn't know what he's doing. And now instead of being the president and going out like a man, and I shouldn't even say a man, right? Because women are just as admirable and women have just as much prestige as men do, obviously. It's an old, antiquated term. Sorry I used it, but let's be honest. He can't even go out with his chin up. He can't even go out like an honorable person and say, you know what? I lost, but look, I got two more months in this office, and I'm going to handle it like a, like a grown president should. And I'm going to make sure that I see my COVID plans through. I'm sorry you didn't like me. I'm sorry you rejected me. But at the end of the day, millions of people still like me, and I still did my job with this distribution, and it's coming. And I'm going to stand here and stay strong. I'm going to make sure Biden's prepared to, to take over when the time comes because I love this country. He could do that. He could do that, but he's not. He's not doing that. And he won't do that. 
And the reason he won't do that is because he's not capable of doing that, because he's not equipped to be the president. He's not in, he, there's guys that are in charge of men, who are leaders of men, who are leaders of people. There are women, too, that are like that, who are equipped. And those are the type of people who need to take responsibility for their actions, need to acknowledge their faults, need to fall on their sword when it's necessary, need to persevere in the face of adversity. And he is simply not one of those people, as we see. And here's the thing, right? Here's the thing. If people voted for... And, and this is the other thing. I want to talk to, to Sean about this, too, when he comes on. Because we're going to talk about the polls and the predictions in the states. Let's be honest, right? So the, the polls initially look like they vastly, vastly underestimated Trump supporter, vastly, vastly overestimated Biden's support. It looked like it might be a blue wave, a landslide. And there's reasons why it wasn't, right? I mean, I'm going to talk to Charles Riley when he comes on the show in a couple weeks. We're going to talk about the moderate left versus the far left. You know my opinion. I'm more in tune with the moderates. Um, but... We're going to see why it wasn't a blue wave, and there's a lot of reasons for that. But but the fact is that a lot of people voted for Donald Trump, right? Period. Millions. 47% of the electorate voted for Donald Trump. So it looked like they underestimated Trump to an extent. But if you really look at the returns the way they are now that they're more finalized. Now, if this was a regular election year then everybody would have voted on election day and this would have been more evident the night of. Like, imagine if the night of we didn't have COVID and we just didn't have mail-in ballots to, to the extent that we have and we had most people voting in person. Then the night of the election, if that were the case, think about it, the night of the election, if that were the case, we would have seen Biden flip Georgia, flip Arizona, Flip all three of those Rust Belt states, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin back blue. Take the Omaha district in Nebraska and win the popular vote by almost 6 million votes, 51 to 47. And if that had happened on election night, how much different? Think about this. How much different would the conversation be? It still wouldn't be a blue wave in terms of the congressional seats and state legislatures. But think about it. The conversation would be a lot different because that's what the actual end is, right? That's how the election actually turned out. It just didn't turn out that way on election night. But if you think about it, that's a hell of a thing, especially for an incumbent president. An incumbent president to lose by six million votes, to lose five states plus a district that he won the previous time. To flip two traditional red states, one in the southwest, which was more expected, and one in Georgia, which was really unexpected, you might call that a pretty decisive victory, right? You might call that a pretty decisive victory. So it's interesting in general when we look at it. And we'll talk to Sean about it, right? But we have Trump now sitting there when the polls were largely accurate. And this is what I don't understand, right? Look. People voted for Donald Trump, right? And I know people who did. Some don't want to tell me, some will. The ones who voted for him for economic reasons, look, I don't I don't rock with it. I'm not down with it. You know my my 
philosophy as a, as a person is. You got to put competent people in power, people who are vastly incompetent and, and, and not prepared for their job the way Trump has been, shouldn't be in office. And his failure with COVID has destroyed the economy. It's destroyed lives. It's cost American lives. Okay. So I could never do it. But I see some people who did right now. Now, a lot of people who did, to be honest, that I know have come out now and said, look, he lost. Trump lost. I, I liked I voted for him. I'm not a huge fan. A lot of the reason these people vote for him, honestly, which is which is what I've known for a long time, what most of us should know. Not so much that they love Trump. There's people that love Trump, but there's people that also just really, 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 really can't stand the far left. And they vote as a way to keep the far left away. So whatever. If those people voted for that reason, that's fine. We're all Americans, right? Regardless of whether we... Our reasons or your friend's reasons for voting for a guy or a girl, that's their business. And they have a right to pull the lever or punch the ballot for whoever they want, right? And that's fine. And that's fine. So a lot of people did that. But here's the thing. The people that I know, the vast majority, who pulled that lever for him are now ready to move on politically. They're ready to move on as a country because he lost fair and square, and they might be disappointed. They might be fearful of Biden's policies. We can debate that all day, but the fact is they acknowledge that the election's over, we have free elections, and it's time to move on. Now look, I talked about this the last two weeks, it's true. We had a global pandemic. We are one of the hardest hit nations in the, in the world from the global pandemic. We have a fever pitch political environment where we are at each other's throats. We had a person in power who was sowing seeds of distrust in the process. We had new mechanisms in almost every state to handle voting given the pandemic. And yet, as as a you know symbol of how much of a democracy, how much of a free modernized, enlightened nation we are, we had a basically, a basically flawless, now we had some, you know, minor discrepancies here and there, but essentially a well put together, flowing, very smooth election day and election weeks leading up to it. We had people working tirelessly in states across the country, Republican and Democrat, working together to count votes and then rightfully so and truthfully and honestly putting forth the results of that election and agreeing Republican or Democrat how the country should move forward based on what the voters wanted and it's interesting because Republicans did much better than expected down ballot they did well in Congress they did well, we'll see what happens with the Senate I think they hold it they did well in the state legislatures. It was what it was. It was a free election of a free country, of a free people. And now, and I'll tell you why I brought up the polls. So now we have Donald Trump. He's, it's one thing, look, everybody has the right, every candidate has the right to challenge an election 
with litigation if that litigation is based on a legitimate inkling that something was fraudulent or something was inconsistent or there was some discrepancy in the vote count. I'm not saying that a person can't do that, right? But Trump's done that over 20 times now in several states, and he's lost. The, the lawsuits have been thrown out every time. Now, look, I can bring a lawsuit against somebody, one of you, if you cause me harm. And even if I ultimately lose, it's still my right to bring the lawsuit. That's fine. That's part of being an American citizen. Right? But, but if I were to make up a story about you, completely fabricate something that you did that you never did, file that in court and use that as a way to try to find out later if there was actually any evidence because I just made it up and it cost you money and it cost you reputation and it hurt you in some way, I could be liable for wrongful prosecution. I would be liable for attorney's fees. I would be liable for your damages for lying, wasting the court's time, wasting your time, wasting everybody's time. Period. Period. So these these lawsuits are it's one thing to have the right to file lawsuits. It's another thing to file frivolous lawsuits, frivolous lawsuits with no merit and no basis in reality and no actual basis to assume that there's any fraud or any damage to be addressed. And it seems so far like that's what's been happening. That's a problem because as the lawsuits are being filed and thrown out, Donald Trump is saying to his supporters and to the country that the election is fraudulent, that the election is cheated, and these people are believing it, right? That's the least egregious thing that he's doing. What else is he doing? Well, he called people in Michigan, GOP legislators, state-level legislators in Michigan, who are Republicans. They almost didn't certify the Wayne County vote, despite the fact that it was overwhelmingly for Biden, and despite the fact that it was there's no indication there was anything wrong with the vote. Biden is up by 150,000 votes in Michigan. There's no indication that that was fraudulent, that that's not proper, that that didn't happen. There's nothing. There's nothing. And he, they almost didn't certify it. Then there was a public outcry, and it was absurd. It was absurd because there was no reason not to certify it. So then they unanimously did certify the vote in Wayne County, two Republicans, two Democrats. But now Trump called the two Republicans who certified, and now they want to rescind their vote after talking to Trump. And now Trump has called legislators from Michigan to the White House to speak to him at the White House about the election. And now there's reports that he's thinking about calling people to the White House from Pennsylvania. Republican legislators from Pennsylvania to the White House now. To what? He's saying it's not to do with the election. Let's face it. Let's stop playing games. He lost the election, so we don't have to be nice anymore. Let's just be Americans, right? I took an oath to respect the Constitution. I took an oath to respect and honor the Constitution. I took an oath to defend the Constitution. So I'm not going to sit around and play games and play nice all the time, all right? This is a sitting president who lost a free election, who 
based on the 20 or more lawsuits that have been thrown out, who based on the audits in Georgia and the audits that are forthcoming in other states, and based on what we've heard from state officials and from all the evidence available, that he lost the election. And we have a sitting president who's calling state legislators to try to get them to elect him president regardless and despite what the people in those states have said. That's what we have. He is actively trying to tell people that he's connected with to steal the election for him despite what the people voted for. And to go back to why I brought up Trump voters, you could have voted for him for any reason. It's cool with me. We are Americans. We stand toe-to-toe. We stand elbow-to-elbow. I'm with you. I don't care who you voted for. It's your right to vote. But now, you can't keep rocking with me, and you can't keep being somebody who claims to be a vehement patriot at this stage if you don't have some problem with the president who's outgoing trying to flip electoral college voters or state legislators to try to get them to wrongfully steal an election that you lost you can't do it because this is a free country we don't take kindly to dictators And that's a dictator move. That's a fascist move. And here's the thing. I'm not holding... Whatever your reasons are for voting for Donald Trump, that's fine. But some people said... Some people said that Donald Trump was a fascist, right? Some people said that Donald Trump was a dictator. That he had tendencies that were fascist. That he wasn't up to the job. That he wasn't honorable. That he wasn't noble. Well, here's the thing. We have the evidence now. The guy... Not that we didn't have it before. But we have it so... Now, this is a guy who lost an election is trying to actively steal it. That's all the evidence you need that everybody who said he had fascist tendencies, everybody said that he had anti-American tendencies, everybody said he wasn't honorable, everybody said he wasn't noble. They they were right. They were obviously right. Because look what he's doing. And not only is he doing it for his own ego, he's hurting American lives in the process. He caught COVID, but he got the best medical treatment there is in the world. Junior got it, and he's going to get the best medical treatment there is in the world. You know how many people have died from COVID and continue to die across this country right now while he's sitting there twiddling his thumbs and trying to steal an election and still hasn't done a damn thing about COVID? Over a quarter million. A lot of those people or people who didn't have the means that he does, or people of color who didn't have the means that he did, it's ridiculous. And it's ridiculous that we're standing here right now, and Republican lawmakers are not saying anything. You know what's crazy? A lot of these state people that got invited are these state Republicans, like the guy in Georgia, the Secretary of State in Georgia, who, by the way, is getting death threats, who Lindsey Graham called, and I'll get to him in a minute. The Republicans in Arizona, Republicans in Pennsylvania, they're mostly saying, look, we're going we're gonna to do our job. I don't care if I'm a Republican or Democrat. I'm an American. I'm an American. When I'm an American, I certify a vote. When the vote's legitimate, I certify, and that's it. It's a free election. I ain't going to get in the way of a free election. I might be mad that I lost. I might plot my 2024 run, but I'm not going to usurp a free election. 
I'm not going to usurp a free election. But what about these other guys? McConnell. Graham. They're not even saying anything. And this is another problem. Look, the Founding Fathers set up the country so that the Senate, the, the House, the Congress in total would have oversight over the executive. They're supposed to be somewhat contentious, the executive and the Congress. They're supposed to check his power. But these guys have been derelict in their duties, and they continue to be derelict in their duties. He's making calls to try to flip the Electoral College. And they're sitting around saying, well, Donald, you know, let Donald be Donald. He's funny. He's not going to win. Shut up. Speak up. Speak out. Because I've heard a lot of people, right? There's so many people say, well, I don't care. He's going to lose anyway. Why do I have to talk about it? Why do I have to speak about it? Who cares? Well, listen, this is why you should care, right? You're an American, right? You're an American. Do you care about this country? Because, listen, democracy, they always say freedom isn't free. It's true. It, it, it makes sense when you're veterans fighting overseas. That's part of freedom isn't free. That's what it's usually used for. But freedom also isn't free in terms of being a citizen of a free country. If you stand by idly and watch somebody try to usurp your free election, Republican or Democrat, Trump voter or Biden voter, or Joe Stein voter, Joe Jorgensen, whatever, you are participating in this country becoming less free. You have to speak up. I'm speaking up. Because I took an oath to defend the Constitution, and I can do that as a private citizen. Because there's no ambiguity. There's nothing equivocal about it. It's a fact. It's black and white. It's evident. This is not okay. This is wrong. Wrong. And what's the worst part about it is I keep seeing all these people who actually believe it. People who are buying into it, they think it was fraudulent. And here's what I don't understand about that. And this is what I've talked about the polls before. I know I'm long-winded. I know I go off on a tangent and come back, but I always come back. I always come back, right? Here's the thing. The polls showed that Biden was probably going to win this election in a landslide. In a landslide. He didn't win it in a landslide, but they said he was. He won decisively. They said he was going to win the popular vote by millions. He did. They said he was probably going to flip Arizona. They said Georgia had a good chance of flipping. They said that he was going to win Michigan and Pennsylvania and Wisconsin running away. He did, except for Wisconsin. But then again, 20,000 votes in Wisconsin isn't, isn't exactly that close. But he ran away with Michigan, which was always the safest, which Sean told us, which we'll talk about in a few. 150,000 votes in Michigan. And he ran, he's winning Pennsylvania by 80,000 votes. So here's the thing. Here's what I understand about people that think it was actually fraudulent. Here's what I understand about Trump being so upset that he lost and so flustered and so frustrated and so astounded that he lost. Here's what I understand. Trump lost the popular vote his first time by 3 million votes, okay? He barely won in the states he needed to flip the Electoral College by razor-thin margins. I think, I forget what Michigan was, but it was razor-thin. He barely won. Then he stayed unpopular, right? He was only at 40%. 45 max percent popularity, favorability, the entire duration of his term as president, okay? He was never popular in his term as president, never above water. 
He made very questionable decisions. They had the whole Russia investigation, which every time Republicans try to say it showed nothing, look, it didn't show exact collusion between him and them. But they called John Gotti the Teflon Don for a reason, too, all right? Not everything sticks. There was plenty of breadcrumbs that led to some kind of malfeasance going on in the Trump campaign. And the fact that three or four or five of people in that campaign connected to him got indicted and convicted by a jury of their peers and went to federal prison? He had that going for him. Then he had the impeachment, which involved the Ukrainian president, which was an issue, which you saw Rudy Giuliani, and I'll get to him in a second, come out with that nonsense before the election. Then COVID hit. Then COVID hit, and COVID was a disaster. It's still a disaster. I'm not saying this as a partisan. I'm just saying this from a place of logic, common sense, logic, and Larry, all right? COVID was a disaster. It was an epic, irrefutable, epic disaster. He was losing in every poll except the nonsensical polls. And even some of those, you know, Trafalgar group, whatever they're called, they had him winning. But they're they're a nuts, nutsy, nutso outlier. Okay. Even Rasmussen, who leans conservative, still had Trump losing in virtually all these states and nationally. So why the hell is he surprised? And why the hell are people surprised that he lost? What's wrong with these people and their bubbles that think, how could he have possibly lost? Everybody in my boat parade was a Trump supporter. Here's what I don't understand. You could live in a small town. A small town in Jersey would be like 30,000 people, right? 30,000 people in a small town in Jersey, the suburbs, right? And everybody you know, say everybody, even though it's never is, say everybody you know is a Trump lover. So you're confident because you're like, well, I spend all my days in this little 30,000-person town. I shop here. I work here. Everything I do is here. And everybody I know is a Trump supporter, so he's going to win. Say that's Jersey, right? Well, then you're missing the fact that if you come to Newark, New Jersey, where there's 300,000 people plus... Everybody is against Trump. And that's 30,000 against 300,000. And then you got Trenton, and you got Patterson, and you got Jersey City, and you got New Brunswick. And then Jersey's very liberal, so you even got a lot of the suburbs. All right. And even the rural areas in Jersey, which aren't very rural by the rest of the country's standards, but they're rural for us. Pine Barrens, whatever. And we got people voting for Biden there, too. So I don't understand these people's bubble. I don't understand the bubble. Use common sense. Be a little more objective for crying out loud. Sherry, I, kn- I know you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Sherry knows. Because I, I pointed a little bit because I'm tired of hearing it from certain people. I'm tired of it. Well, listen. Why are they surprised? Why are they surprised? It's absurd. And here's my thing, right? I, I, I did take some people off my face. And I'm a free speech guy. You know that. I'm open to dialogue. I'm a free speech guy. I'm a free speech guy. But I had to delete a couple people because... And I didn't... Look, there's plenty of Trump supporters that remain on my page. And I'll be honest with you. I'm a, I'm a moderate guy. So I've lost listeners on here. More conservative than liberal. But I've lost liberal listeners too. Okay. I've lost them. 
but the fact is I had to delete people that just couldn't accept reality. And honestly, it's so weird. Some of the same people that are supporting this nonsensical election conspiracy nonsense are the same people who used to tell me that COVID was a conspiracy. It's just these people just don't live in reality. They don't live in reality. And I think it's it's scary that they vote just like we do. So we may be susceptible to the whims of somebody who doesn't live in the real world. That's scary. Now, I know the Founding Fathers implemented tests and all these other things to vote, and we don't want that because that's not true democracy. I understand that. You don't want literacy tests. They were used to discriminate against people. They were biased. But we got to find some way to qualify people to vote. I don't know, because it's scary that people that believe this nonsense, that didn't even realize that Trump was heading towards a loss. Trump even knew he was heading towards a loss, I think. I don't know. Maybe he thought his rallies were a reason why he wasn't going to lose. Those super spreader rallies have probably helped tick up COVID in the country, which my one buddy said he thought election day, maybe the rallies has something to do with it. They definitely played a role. I don't think they played the, the, the main role, but they definitely played a role in it. But it's ridiculous. But here's the thing with these people. You got to call these people out, right? We can't let these people just have free reign to spread nonsense. We just can't do it. Again, again, are you an American? Freedom isn't free. Are you going to fight for what's right? Even if they never listen, the fact that they're even engaging you, you don't have to talk and exhaust yourself all the time, but hit them with some facts. Make them look silly. Embarrass them in front of everybody else. Somebody else is watching that conversation if it's on social media or if it's in public in a bar, and they are listening, and they may be open to hearing facts. You have to put out there the facts because people are living in an alternate reality and we are all going to suffer for it. Now, in terms of Trump, I was thinking about this today, too, as I'm looking at him, all disheveled and looking just just like a, a goon. He's not listening to he's not doing what we normally done with the transition of power, which is so important. You know, societies are fragile. Democracies are fragile. I read an article in The New Yorker yesterday that, that talked about how fragile democracies are in world history and how fragile our own democracy is because it already erupted into war, you know, 100 years, less than 100 years into our foundation as a country. We erupted into civil war, and now we have people on the streets again fighting violently. Democracy is fragile. So we need these things like concession speeches and peaceful transfers of power, etc., in order to maintain and strengthen our democracy. When we start shunning those processes, when we start turning our back on those symbolic gestures, we are damaging our democracy on a fundamental level. And I was looking at this guy, Trump, and I'm thinking, he's got no clue what the hell he's doing. He's got no idea. And he's talking about running in 2024. I'm like, why? What gives him the license to run in 2024? Who the hell is he? He's not qualified. He's a reality star. He's a real estate mogul who was a bad real estate mogul. Who declared bankruptcy all the time. He put people out of business in South Jersey nonstop. I talked to a girl the other day. Her father and all his guys that he knows were put out of business in South Jersey when he screwed up Atlantic City. Anyway, what the hell are we doing where a guy who has absolutely no qualifications, no experience whatsoever gets to be the president of the United States? You couldn't walk into a Fortune 500 company and just be the CEO overnight. You couldn't walk into a police station and just be a cop without going to the academy. You couldn't be a general without going to West Point, without going to combat, or at least 
running a platoon at some point. You couldn't be an attorney without passing the bar. You couldn't be an electrician without getting a license or being an apprentice. You couldn't work on a car without knowing what the hell is inside a car. Why the hell can you just walk in and be the president out of nowhere? It reminded me when I was in law school. We actually, let's not go off on a tangent, but we had a student bar association, and they're responsible for allotting most of the funds for programs and groups and things like that. And the problem was that there was a in-crowd, in-crowd, right? People who were in the SBA knew each other, and they had their own little clique, and no one else in the school, didn't matter what group you were in, it didn't matter who you were, what you believed in, Mostly, the president was internally elected like parliament. The president was elected by the other members of the Bar Association. And people didn't like it because it seemed like a small group of people were running things. And I think that's why Trump appeals to some people, because he's a populist. They think there's a small, elite group of people who run the country, and they feel left out. They don't have a seat at the table. Well, we... I was... I was appointed, and not to go into too much detail, I was appointed to try to figure out how to fix this by fellow students. And we came up with a, the, the large sentiment of the school was that you wanted the, the SBA members to be internal, right, and, and members of committees and things, but you wanted the president of the SBA. The president should be elected popularly by the entire law school. And that would make it more equitable. The president could almost be a counterbalance to the internal clique and represent the populist wing of the school and could be a liaison, right? But when we drew up this legislation, we had requirements that anybody who was a candidate for president, one of the main things we were worried about was that we didn't want some guy who spent all his afternoons at McGovern's, which is the Irish bar across the street, who didn't pay attention, who didn't know what was going on, who just happened to be popular. We didn't want him to just walk in and be president because he wouldn't know what he was doing. And it would be irresponsible to do something like that. So we we mandated that any president would have to be somebody who had served at least a semester in the SBA prior to running for president. Because that would ensure that, A, they actually had some interest in doing the job, and B, they actually had some training and qualification to do the job. Now, oddly, in democratic fashion, we actually failed on the amendment, but we did pass, by some other mechanism I'm not going to get into, we did pass a popular election amendment, and the president of the SBA in my former law school is now popularly elected by the student body. It was crazy. There was a lot of unrest. I got escorted out at one point. We had a lot of stuff going on, and, and I actually ran in the first election ever of the popular SBA against somebody. I got my ass kicked. I lost 70 to 30%, got my ass handed to me, and the guy who beat me is actually a, a sitting New, a sitting Jersey City Councilman right now. He's a sitting Jersey City Councilman, so I guess he's pretty talented. But my point is, why can't we do what we did in our law school and make some other basic requirement besides being 35 years old? Can we have them be, I would suggest just hold some kind of public office, right? You have to be a senator or a governor or a, you know, somebody, or in a state legislator, or, or even sit on the damn school board in a city. Do something. Be something. Be somebody who held some kind of office before you become the president of the United States. I mean, geez, just a thought, just a thought. How can we protect our democracy from this? That might be one way. Do we really want people that are vastly unqualified just running the country because they're celebrities? That's scary stuff. 
Scary, scary, scary stuff. Now, back to... No, no, no. See, he's got the wrong guy. See, see. There was the guy who beat me, who was a, who's a Jersey City Councilman, who's an awesome guy, and that's fine that he beat me because he was, it was a free and fair election between he and I. And I knew I was going to lose. And I went out like a champ, unlike Trump, and that was fine. The guy who was the sitting president, who was the insider, he's the one that was the jerk. And he was he lost the election. He wasn't even in the running at that point. He knew he couldn't win once we went popular. So he bowed out, just so the, the record's clear on this little chat thing. All right. Because he, that person, is also a sitting councilman in another New Jersey town. So I don't want to name him or talk about it, but it's an ongoing thing. So let's not, let's not get too deep into that. But look... Let's talk about Trump's, uh, his little brigade here, right? You got Rudy Giuliani, who the other day was giving a speech with outlandish, crazy stuff and just being insane with the damn, with the damn, uh, hair dye running down his cheek. And, and somebody talked to it. I mean, it, Giuliani, man, he, he fell from grace. I mean, the guy was, the guy was... A, a renowned mayor. He was a renowned mayor. And yeah, I saw today he wiped, he wiped snot on his nose and then put on his lip. I don't know, it was disgusting. But he was a, a, a famous mayor. He was a New York, the mayor of New York City. He was a prosecutor in the Southern District of New York. He was a prosecutor who took down Wall Street moguls. He was a prosecutor who took on the heads of the five families. He had death threats? Hell, I know people whose fathers, you know, were out of work because of him, and that's just the truth. Not that I had any affiliation, but just word of mouth. I mean, the guy was a renowned figure in the New York area and just nationally. He really was, and he's just, he's, 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 he's a mess. And, and you know what's crazy, what you know about Donald Trump, too, is look. You ever have a friend or a family member who might make a fool of themselves a little bit, right? Or who you know might not be best suited to, to give a public speaking engagement or might not be best suited for a certain audience and to protect them because you care about them and you're not selfish. You go out and you, you know, you tell them, look, look, you know, you protect them. Like, you, you know, don't go out and speak tonight. Don't say this to this person. You know, don't be, don't do this. You don't put them in a position to fail and make an ass of themselves. Look at Donald Trump. He's putting Rudy Giuliani out there to just destroy himself, destroy his legacy. The, the man, all bullshit aside, the man sitting there with hair dye running down his face, wiping snot off his nose, making frivolous allegations, making a fool of himself. Trump's not even out there at the podium. It's Giuliani. He's letting him wither away into nothing. It's disgusting. But that says a lot about Trump's character. Now, let's talk about somebody else, Lindsey Graham. It's the thing about these senators, right? So Mitt Romney today, Mitt Romney finally came out with a statement on Twitter saying, look, this is, it's hard to imagine something worse. I'm paraphrasing, but it's hard to imagine something more egregious in our democracy than a president attacking our free election. Finally, somebody said what we're all thinking. I'm glad Romney finally said it. I hope more people say it because it is egregious. This is America. This isn't some third rate, you know, country where we have dictators and all that other nonsense. But you have Lindsey Graham. He's another example of these people who are just reprehensible. And here's what I want to say about Lindsey, right? 
Did you ever did you ever have a perception of somebody like a, a celebrity or a somebody you met maybe on online dating or or on the internet or somebody that you'd heard about through a friend that you hadn't met in person yet? And you built them up in your head and you thought of them a certain way. You thought they had a certain presence. You assumed or presumed that they would have a certain presence. And then when you met them, you kind of were like, ooh, I think almost less of that person, right? Because, damn, they don't have the same presence or the same swag or the same anything that I thought they would. At all, that kind of seemed like a cornball. Or you ever be in a relationship with somebody? You know, there's a there's a really intimidatingly attractive and intelligent woman, or there's a really intimidatingly and attractive man that you you don't know that well, and you you build them up in your head, and you think that they're great, and then when you get into the relationship, and you know all their intricacies and all their insecurities, and you know everything about them, you kind of see them completely differently. Have you ever been in that situation as a human being? I think we all have, right? Lindsey Graham, you know, I used to look at him like, you know, not like he was the most admirable guy ever, but I used to look at Lindsey Graham as like, you know, he's a he's a senior senator. He's a prominent senator. When he spoke about, you know, uh, foreign policy, when he spoke about other issues, when he was in there with McCain, I, I respected him. I was deferential as a citizen. I said, well, Lindsey Graham, I mean, he's a legitimate statesman. And, and that same way that, that when you get to know somebody, that veneer deteriorates and you see them as so much less. After Graham became such a lackey to Trump and then he called the Georgia Secretary of State and tried to bully him, based on what we see being reported, tried to bully him into, you know, re- throwing out legal ballots and just just being Trump's lackey. It's funny, when I see Lindsey Graham now speaking, I saw him speaking about the, uh, I think the FBI investigation with McCabe when he was questioning him. It's so interesting. I thought to myself, objectively, I was looking at this guy, and he looked legitimately to me. He didn't look like a statesman anymore, right? He looked like a small, timid, nerdy, weak pathetic little man he just looked so he looked vulnerable and like a lackey he looked like a pawn instead of a knight instead of a rook he looked like a pawn and that's how I see him now and that's what he appears to me to be I almost want to go back with Giuliani and look at his speeches from 9-11 just to see can I see can I see the things that I see now in him back then? I don't know. And I wonder, right, if these people, as we perceive them now, are in power across the country, how much, how scary is that, right? Are the people across this country really less competent and less strong than we take them to be, than we assume they were? Because if they are, that's scary. That's scary. And I truly, truly wonder... I truly, truly wonder if that's the case. So look, we we continue to march forward. We continue to get to the end of this election to finally have a new president sworn in. And I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to talking about things that are not just based on Trump or the election. You know this is Logic and Larry. I'm a moderate person. I'm balanced. I'm not being partisan on this show. 
But it's, you know, the way that this has gone has forced me to criticize the side that's acting the way they are. And it's, it's not okay. So we have to be honest about it. But yes, it's scary. It's a scary thought. How many people are willing to simply lay down their arms, simply willing, figuratively, willing to simply lay down in the face of tyranny and simply not do anything or actively support egregious and insidious things? And we've talked about the fact before that Trump knew this was going to happen. I was reading an article in the New Yorker the other day again. We knew. It was written before the election. It was written from before the election. I was going to read it to you, but I'll paraphrase. It said, we may see a landslide if Biden has one, or given what we know about the way this election is going to go, on election night, we may well see a red mirage that looks like Trump's ahead at 11 o'clock. Trump may come out and say he won. Then when we wake up in the morning, it might flip blue because of the mail-in ballots and the fact that Biden supporters and Democrats overwhelmingly voted by mail. It was written before the election, and it was predicted. We all knew it. We all saw it coming. So anybody out there who says they believe in the fraud nonsense, they weren't paying attention, or they're willfully choosing to be obtuse. They're being willfully obtuse. And that's okay about UFOs, which I do believe in, by the way. It's okay a little bit, I guess, about COVID, but you still better wear a mask to protect other people. It's definitely okay when it's some crazy theory about sports, gambling, or whatever else, but it's not okay when it affects the rest of us in our free election. And people have to man up or woman up and and step up to the plate and be real about what's at stake here. You live to fight another day. The Republicans are probably going to hold the Senate. They held a lot of state legislatures. They can do the districting the way they want. They'll maintain power in the states. Okay. The Democrats lost seats in Congress. It wasn't a resounding defeat. They live to fight another day. They can put up a more viable candidate in 2024. They can still, they they took all these judgeships, these federal judgeships. There's a 33-year-old with less trial experience than me, who's younger than me, who's been practicing law only two more years than me, who's now got a federal appointment to be a federal judge for the rest of her life at 216 grand a year salary, who's gonna be making decisions for all of us for the next 30, 40, 50 years. They did fine. They got a conservative Supreme Court. Live to fight another day, but stand up for what's right. And we had a free election. The same ballots, the same ballots that kept Republicans in power, the same ballots who held state legislatures for Republicans, the same ballots who are probably going to hold the Senate, the same ballots who cost Democrat seats in the House, those same ballots elected Joe Biden president. Let's just get real. Let's step up and admit what's real. Let's stand up for reality. It sounds so Twilight Zone-esque. It sounds so surreal. But we are at a point now in this country where we have to tell people, stand up for reality. Not even what you believe in. Not even an ideology. Just stand up for reality. Please. Please. Reality. Stand up for objective fact. We can't function if we don't have objective fact. And I've talked about this. talked about this with COVID back in the middle of the summer or the spring. We got if we don't have objective fact and we're not acting on the same playing field, we don't have anything. We got to operate on objective fact. And I'll say the same thing to Republicans or Democrats. I always do. When the left isn't operating on objective fact, I say what I have to say to them the same way. Let's just do that. Can we please? 
Now, all that being said, I'm going to have a brief intermission. We'll let this jazz play a little bit more, and I'm going to be right back, and we're going to get Sean, Political Action Bracken, on the phone. We're going to do a little postmortem on the election, then I'm going to take your calls. All right, I'm back. Let's get Sean on the phone. Let's talk about this. Sean, can you hear me, brother? Yes, I can, Larry. How are you today? How you doing, man? Uh, pretty good, pretty good. Great to hear. So, a couple of weeks. Yeah, it's been a couple of weeks. I was letting everybody know the, the new moniker that I'm kind of going with for promo purposes is Sean Political Action Bracken. I think it's a, a real cool thing. I think the content's going to be awesome. We're all excited about it. Um, I want to talk about the election tonight. Just so you know, look, I am uh, I wear my heart on my sleeve. I'm very off the wall, back and forth. So during the election night and this, in the subsequent days, I'm texting my friends and I'm like, I don't know. I think he's going to lose this state or that state. The predictions are wrong. And a couple of my buddies, my buddy Al in particular, just so you know who's a listener too, was like, look, Sean's prediction is still intact. I'm going with Sean. Just be quiet. My other buddy, Vreeland, who's also a listener, was like, look, I need a bracket update. I need a bracket update. So just so you know you kept a lot of people sane during this entire process so you should know that that's all i'm saying uh, I, I appreciate that yeah I, I i was actually having fun with just how this political action bracken kind of came together because i realized i was having a lot of fun like personally update mm-hmm. and i thought hey why not put this to good use yeah on the road? and i was like you know what i think i have something here i think and you do i mean that's where it came about yeah, it's great. So listen, so Sean, let's talk. Let's jump right in. I mean, your prediction, did you, I, if I recall, did you get any, the only thing you got wrong was Georgia. Am I right? Or did you get, is that it? Well, I mean, a funny story is um, on your on your show, I, I the last time we talked on your show, I originally said Biden would get 305. Right. I had predicted North Carolina would, would go to blue. And then after the weekend, I thought about it some more, and then I made another um, video for, for my Facebook audience, and I said, eh, you know what? No, I'm not really confident in North Carolina. It's really Republican mm-hmm. DNA, like Georgia is. Mm-hmm. And I decided to flip on my prediction, and I ended up saying 290 would be what Joe Biden got. So ultimately, in the end, yes, Georgia is the only state I missed. And weirdly enough, Georgia is not on my radar at all. So that's kind of that's kind of a funny story there in itself. Is that I got every state right in this election when I was predicting it, except for Georgia. Georgia was the only one. And again, like I I didn't see Georgia coming at all. Like that, that was a very surprising result. Right, and but it's so interesting. So on my cash, you said 305. He got 306. You actually did predict North Carolina on my show. Uh, so so the only thing you missed was Georgia. Either A, you flipped Georgia and North Carolina, which are both southeastern states, or on your other prediction, you just add Georgia. You were pretty spot on, bro. I mean, that's pretty pretty awesome. Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, I, I definitely had a good – I mean, I had a – good feeling about where I thought this election was going to go. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it just seemed like it was going that way, going in that direction. I felt good about Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin. You obviously. did. Although they were much closer than, than I originally thought, although some of it was that so-called right mirage that they were talking about on election night, because those three states counted on the end date, or the, the same day, but first. 
Right. So that's why it looked like it did, but but I mean I mean they were still a lot closer than I than the poll said anyway. And that yes. then I did feel pretty good about Arizona yes. flipping the blue and it did. Um, barely, but it did. Right. And then and, but again it's just it was just Georgia that I missed and I really didn't see it coming and I have a friend, obviously, in Georgia named Sean as well. Mm-hmm. I think he's a listener, too, by the way. Tonight. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, he said that, that, they, that we would be counting ballots and way into the night in Georgia, and he was correct. Although, right. Now there's even for the And just a quick thing, too. I'm shouting out Sean, Sean Murphy, who's been a listener now the last at least two weeks. First listener from Georgia. He's a contributor. He comments a lot. We love to have you, bro. I appreciate you being here. So awesome to have you, by the way. Now, Sean Bracken. Now, so what's interesting is this, right? The polls, yes, said that the, the Rust Belt states would be much more comfortable for Biden than they actually turned out. However... Don't you think that because of the red mirage, we seem like it was closer than it was? Yes, percentage-wise, it's close. However, Biden won Michigan by 150,000 votes. We knew that would be the most comfortable. Pennsylvania, it's up to 80,000. Wisconsin's 20,000, but it's a little smaller than those two. It's closer than we thought, but Biden also got a lot more. I want to get into that in a minute, too. Like The fact that Biden did outperform Hillary like in raw numbers, Trump just outperformed himself, too. I mean— you know, the polls were wrong, but how, I mean, were they, re- yes, they were wrong percentage-wise, Sean, but I mean, were they really wrong in, as far as in indicating how it was going to go? It seems like with those three states, Michigan was the most comfortable. It's 150,000 people. That's a lot of people. That's like the big house at Michigan. It's a lot of people. And then Wisconsin was a little slimmer. And Pennsylvania, 80,000 people is a lot of people. I mean, what do you think? And ultimately, again, a lot of people do get get hung up with this red mirage because it definitely looked like, just based out of the election numbers, like when you look at the same day voting, that yeah, I mean, I mean, if the polls really were wrong because Donald Trump was leading in all those three places, but I mean, ultimately, in the end, like I mean, it still did predict. A Joe Biden victory, and 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 you make a very good point, and I like to bring up a, a, a term that that's often used by pollsters called margin of error. Yes, and that is a very important term here because a lot of the margin of errors, and I said this myself too. Like I always told you, my rule of thumb with the pollsters when you do when I do the averages and everything, the yes. margin of error is plus or minus four percent yes so when you look at the states in, in a couple of weeks ago when we talked um even those three rust belt states up here i mean they were like like five points like wisconsin and, and michigan were like five points right and michigan ended up being a little over or about three points right um pennsylvania is now about 1.2 points, and right. then Wisconsin is, is less than a point, but I mean, still, like, when you consider, I mean, when you factor in that margin of error, the polls actually, I mean, weren't as wrong as people say they were. Right. Even though, I mean, they did underrepresent Donald Trump somewhat, but 
but but I mean with the margin of error, like I mean you have that room to where to where pull could could deviate. You know what I mean? So yes. It just all depends on turnout in the in the end, and that's why the deep pollsters have this margin of error because they're only sampling a thousand people usually. Like that's what a good poll. Yes. Um, sample. So when you take that into effect, then yes, you're gonna they're gonna factor in something called the margin of error and then usually it's three to four percent and I mean that's what you see in there so in the end I mean they definitely weren't as wrong as, as people said and they still did accurately predict uh, many of these states and the only one that you can argue they kind of got off with Florida but they always yes. have a hard time pulling well that's um, the other thing the too. Republican right there right Sean and that's the other thing I want to talk to you about and ask you about I mean it seems like, you know, there's a human aspect to it. And it seems like, you know, you and I, especially you when you were on here, did a good job of you kept saying, I, I'm more confident in my prediction if it's outside the margin of error. And a lot of these states were like only one point or two points above the margin of error. But then you said those states are going to go to Biden, but they may be only one point because it's one point outside the margin of error. And that's what happened. And what I'm saying is, isn't there a, a tendency of some people to not look at the margin of error and just say he's up by, you know, nine points nationally. He's winning by four points. The margin of error is probably four points. Um, and just say, well, these margins are so huge. Not look at the margin of error. And the second thing is, isn't there something to be said for people like you who bring a human and analytical kind of perspective to it? You're sitting there saying, I see the polls in this state in Florida, but I can tell you it's unpredictable and Miami-Dade doesn't look good with the Hispanic vote. I see the polls in Arizona, but I'm telling you it's got Republican DNA. It's going to be a lot closer. I see the polls in Pennsylvania, but he's going to win by at least a point because he's up by one. I live there, but it's going to be closer. I mean, there's something to be said for the human an analysis, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the thing. Like, and, that's, and that's another thing, too. Like, sometimes... Sometimes, I mean, you have to be in the, on the ground in these states, too, yes. I add. Like, I mean, you to, to know what's actually going on. Because that's another, that is another thing about, about these polls that maybe they're not, and sometimes the best barometer to factor in just because, I mean, a lot of them are just doing, like, like phone interviews or, or robo-interviews or whatever, but they're actually not on the ground capturing the human aspect in these states. Right. And sometimes, I mean, I mean, that could also factor in to this margin of error. Like, I mean, a lot of times, like, people do get, I mean, when they see polls, like, they do really react to it one way or another. But in the end, like, sometimes it is good to, to, to take a deep breath, um, just sit back and, and just kind of look at it logically and, and know what its history is. Um, know the demographics of the state and, and know all that information because, I mean, that definitely could, could help guide you along well, right. a, a good way. And to be honest, and, right, let's, let's talk about just from, from our perspective here, Sean. I mean, we have... Rick, who's a who's a longtime contributor, who's a long time, he's in Arizona and he's in Maricopa County, and he said he's in Phoenix. He said 
McSally's going to get her ass kicked. Kel- uh, you know, Kelly's going to win. And then he said Biden's going to win Arizona. And even as it was wavering, I actually commented, I don't know about your county, Rick, what's going on. As, you know, the, the counts were coming in and Trump was catching up a little. He's like, don't worry, we're going to win. Then Sean Murphy in Georgia told you, watch Georgia. They're going to count late into the night. They actually counted a couple days. Biden's looking good. And then you said to me in Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania is going to go Biden, I think, and watch Erie County. And Sean, Erie County was red because of the mirage initially. Erie County is now blue because of the mail-in votes. Biden won Erie County. You said that was a bellwether county. And you're more familiar with that than I am because you're out in western Pennsylvania. So you're right. Absolutely. And, and the in, interesting thing about about the Erie County dynamic is that is the bellwether. And I do want to tell all your viewers out there across across that are listening to you, is, is mm-hmm. when you want to look at an election in Pennsylvania, you might want to look at Erie County because in this past election in Pennsylvania right now, they are the margin statewide in Pennsylvania in the margin Erie County is nearly just identical. And right. that's just an amazing statistic. Uh, a lot of people really didn't find it as amazing as I thought they would, but Erie County is about 1% and Pennsylvania is about 1%. Straight for Joe Biden. That's, I mean, that's, I think that's an incredible statistic. And it just shows, like, I mean, Erie County, even though it's not Philadelphia, and it's not the suburbs, mm-hmm. Erie County is a very critical county in Pennsylvania just because of its, of, its, uh, of its demographic makeup. A lot of working class voters in Erie, mm-hmm. I, it does, does flip to Trump and kind of flip back to Joe Biden this time. Mm-hmm. It's it, it I mean, it, it is, it, it's basically, I feel, a very represent a representative county in Pennsylvania. I think it's probably the most representative county in Pennsylvania because it, cause it's, it, it, it's basically a working class city. Um, a lot of like old mm-hmm. like, mills went out and mm-hmm. it, 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 it's a struggling place. Like a lot of places in Pennsylvania are. I think it's, it's the third or fourth largest city in Pennsylvania. So it, it's a very important county and, and it really represents Pennsylvania well, I, I, I think. And, and to see that county in, in the state both match, match, or, or match um, with the margins, I, I think that's an incredible statistic. I think it is too. And I actually think it's that's what's so cool about doing the post mortem. And it's. it's you know, credit to me for finding you or you finding me. I mean, I'm pretty proud of the fact that you were so damn good at what we, what we were talking about. The people could have confidence in what we talk about going forward. I mean, you said at least on two separate occasions to watch Erie County and it the margin matches statewide. That's what you said. It, it makes sense. It's it's it is astounding. I think it's a really interesting statistic. I think it's. It just goes to show that, you know, even if a county doesn't necessarily tip the balance because of sheer population, it can be a, a huge indicator of how a state or a country is going to go because it is a microcosm of the electorate statewide or nationwide. And that seems to be what Erie is to Pennsylvania, which is so so intriguing. 
Right, and that's that's a, that's a, that's what, that was a great point you just made about about that. Like, I mean, Erie might not be the biggest county, but it again, it's it's, it's a good indicator just because it, it's a lot like the rest of the state. You mm-hmm. know? When you see Erie County, like when Erie County went red in 2016, then Pennsylvania went red, and again in 2016, that margin was nearly identical as well. Right. Erie was about a percent, and and the whole state was about a percent. So it's so it's really interesting how like a county like that can be really representative of an entire state. And in this case, Erie County is that kind of county here in Pennsylvania. I mean, it really is, and and it's had a history. And a lot of people are surprised um, when I when I said that too, like Erie County. But I mean, I really meant it just because I know the demographics of Erie County, and I know it's very similar to Pennsylvania. Right. And it's the recent history of Erie County is voting basically identical to the state. So I mean, yes. I mean, it's it really. It really is a. It really tells the tale of how Pennsylvania is going to go, and I think in a future election, um, people are going to want to watch that county very closely. Makes sense. Now, Sean, let's talk about, and we, we got a lot to talk about here. Now, let's talk about Michigan. Look, Michigan, do you recall what Trump won it by? I know it was the slimmest he won any state. I I honestly don't remember the margin that he won it by. I I think it was very slim. It was about 12,000 votes. It was really close. Okay, so now now Biden won it by 150,000. Do we know, is, is, is Michigan looking like it was, was it a suburban resurgence or was it just Detroit showing up when they didn't show up last time? What, what, what was Michigan like? Because, dude, that, that was huge. I mean, that was a slim victory to like a pretty comfortable flip for Biden. I would I would point it mostly to the suburbs, I would, I would say. Okay. I mean, sure, yeah. I, I think, I mean, obviously Detroit, when it's going like 70 to 30 for Biden, I mean, that's obviously a big um, number. But when you go outside to, of, of Detroit, um, like to the, to, the, to the counties west of Detroit, I mean, right. that, that was really a, 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 a big um, sign there that Michigan was going to flip. And also, okay. I mean, some of these places like Lansing and uh-huh. Grand Rapids, I mean, those areas were flipping to Joe Biden this time as well. And I just think all in all, like, that's what really brought home the victor- victory for Joe Biden there. And by, a pretty, like you said, a pretty comfortable margin. It's going to be about 3%. Right, in right. And also, I mean, you can't say it enough, too. Like, turnout was high across the board pretty much and mm-hmm. everywhere. And Michigan's another example of that. A lot of mail-in ballots, I mean, that obviously helped drive up turnout and obviously helped Joe Biden win because without the mail-in ballots, I mean, it's hard to say if he would have won Michigan because it was literally, I mean, Donald right. Trump was leading the, the same-day vote by a pretty good margin. And then here comes the, the uh, mail-in ballots in Michigan that really flipped the state around. And it did, again, by a pretty comfortable margin. Right. So I would say suburban areas and, and like, there's, there's not small towns in Michigan, but, like, like 
well sized towns like like Grand Rapids and in Lansing really made the difference there, I think. Makes sense. Now let me ask you this because we're speaking about the suburbs and this kinda goes nationwide, but if you feel that certain states exemplify it more, let us know. I mean Given the fact that we look, we saw this surge. Biden's winning by comfortable margins in some states. He flipped his his closest margins. Let's face it, aside from Wisconsin, his closest margins are in states he flipped from long time red to blue, and he's winning the popular vote by six million, which is no, which is nothing to snuff at. I mean, let me ask you this: Is there some? Do you think? But but Trump's despite Trump, where I'm going with this is. Despite Biden winning pretty comfortably overall, in raw numbers, Biden got way more than Hillary, but Trump got way more than himself. Do you, the last time I mean, do, is is this really a case of when we say suburbs flipped, we know the suburb itself flipped, but is it people flipping or was this like people who didn't even care to vote saying, no, 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 I don't want Trump. And then Trump people doubling down. Do you see any data that would indicate that people flip votes or were third party voters, people who sat home coming out against Trump and Trump people stayed home and came out for Trump plus some? I mean, what is that about? It's, it's hard to say. That's a really good question. I would say, I mean, it seemed like the, the when it comes to the third party vote, it, it definitely was a lot. I mean, lot, mm-hmm. lots of a factor this time. So, I mean, my guess is, I mean, you had a lot of that going on where some of the third party probably kind of just more or less voted against Trump. I, I just feel like in general, there was like a very fever pitch on both sides. I, right. I think both sides were dug in in this election. And when you when you have the mail-in um, voting, which, which was as available as it was due to COVID, right, right. And, and, all, and all that stuff going on, and you had a lot of states doing early votes this year, I mean, it, it made it easier for people to vote in general. And I mean, the country is definitely split. Like, I mean, the, the, we knew going in like, that Trump supporters were going to be just absolute 100% hardcore diehards, mm-hmm. and they absolutely were, and they probably got other people yes. engaged as well that, that are like-minded and, and got them into the political process this year, especially with a lot of these states doing early voting and, and mail-ins. And then on the flip side, you probably had the same thing happen. Where again, it's, it's, it's easier to vote, easier to, to vote by mail. A lot of Democrats were supportive of that. So, I mean, the mail-in definitely helped the Democrats a lot more, and and data definitely backs it up because they were yes. they were the ones that were voting by mail. So the fact that we had that also brought them out. And of course, just Donald Trump in general has just generates strong feelings on both sides. I mean, strong yes. feelings where you either really like him and really like what he's doing or you just really can't stand them. And there's really nobody that's in the middle with him. You either like him or hate him. And in this country, I mean, there's a lot of people that really like him, as you've seen, and there's also a lot of people that really don't like him. Right. And I think there is slightly... I mean, by about four percentage points, it looks like there is more people that didn't like them. But, <laughs> right. I mean, it's yes. really, I mean, it just really speaks to just how divided this country is. That makes a lot of sense. And what's interesting to me is, I mean, 
You know, whether you see the surge for Trump or the surge for Biden, there was a surge for both, but the majority clearly elected Biden. It just seems to me, and I want to hear your take on it, too, because as we pivot away from the election, too, I'd like you to be, you know, and I know you're 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 down with it. Just talk more about even just general political stuff. We're going to get into what's going on with the transition in a minute, too. But but regarding voting. Don't you think that it's better that we have, like, early voting, mail-in voting? Because the participation is up everywhere. Like, Trump got more voters in raw numbers. Biden got more numbers in raw voters. You know, the majority was what it was, but it was a way bigger electorate, and more people got got to vote. Isn't that better? Don't we want to expand voting instead of restrict it? It seems like early voting, mail-in, allows more people to do it, because if they only have one day to do it, they might not get there. But if they have two weeks and mail, they're going to do it. It's probably better for the country what do you think that, that's, how I, that's how i feel too and, and again um that, that's just like my personal feeling about it and usually like i've been expressed my personal feelings because i just try to be analytical but right yeah i mean to put my emotion into it i would love to see this continue because i i think it's i i do think it's great for the country regardless how this turned out i mean it was I mean, seeing like 155 million people vote. Right. I mean, that's like, you know, turnout's just, just amazing. Like, it's been the most it's been in 100 years. Yes. So you just figure, I mean, if we continue to go down this path, I mean, I, I think it's great because, I mean, that it really, I mean, it's, it's, it hopefully will be a way for people to be represented more in Washington or in their states. I mean, hopefully it goes even down to the local levels where they're voting. Yes. Like this at the local levels, because that's where a lot of your yes. day-to-day stuff happens is, is down on the local uh, level. So, I mean, we. So I would love to see this continue and see this trend continue because it, it is really good for the country. Um, it, it's hard to say, like, what will happen, especially when we finally find the solution to COVID and how that's going to happen. Hopefully this is one good thing to come out of COVID would be to make voting as, as, as easy as it was. And also, this election also proved that it also can be safe and, and there, you can have an election like this and not have a bunch of fraud, you know what I mean? Yes, yes, All we can do it. about better fraud, like, I mean, that's just a bunch of crap. Like, it's just, it was a very, I mean, it wasn't any more fraudulent than any other election we've had, and there's just no proof of any widespread fraud out there despite this big mail-in vote this year. So, so, so hopefully this proves to, like, all of our lawmakers that, hey, this system can work, and we should be promoting this system. Right, because it does work and it works well. I mean, I think, don't you, wouldn't you agree that people who want to thwart or diminish this system are really just looking for an easier way to win and not for a more robust democracy? Absolutely. I mean, that's, 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 what it, that's what it is. And then it, it gives everybody a chance for their, to have their say. Right. So now, Sean, I just want to talk before we break down what's going on with the transition, just quickly. Touch on whatever state you want, but look, I mean, what do you think it was that made, because North Carolina, I mean, look, Obama won it, so it's not like it's completely unprecedented. 
But you got Ohio and Iowa. And I remember Ohio and Iowa, you had said it was getting closer, but you still didn't think it was going to go blue. You were right. And North Carolina was polling for Biden and myself. I picked North Carolina over Georgia if I had to pick two. And, you know, what do you think it was about Georgia, North Carolina, Florida? I mean, Florida, I think we know, right? Miami-Dade, Trump was a concerted effort. It, tell me if you agree or disagree. It was a concerted effort to really reach especially Hispanic voters who were hostile to socialism. He, he, he hit that population hard with ads and things. Biden never counteracted it uh, properly. Biden won, but the margin was way too slim because even though Biden still flipped Jacksonville, flipped the suburbs of Tampa, all this other stuff, it wasn't enough because the margin wasn't enough in Miami because of that. Tell me if you agree on that, but also the other southern states. Why was Arizona flipped? Georgia was flipped, but North Carolina wasn't. And then why was Iowa and Ohio look closer? Obama won them twice, but they weren't that close. It was Trump. I mean, you could address it any way you want, but I think the whole conversation is fascinating. Just hit the ground running. You're Sean. You, you, you tell me. I mean, Florida, you're absolutely 100% right. It, it was Miami-Dade. And, and just, uh, I mean, there is, there is kind of, to see the margin in Miami-Dade, I mean, if you're a Democrat, I mean, that is pretty pathetic. And, yeah. and the Democrats in Florida, if they want to stay competitive in Florida, they got to really figure out that problem there. Like, because that is a, obviously a big problem that, that they lost so many Cuban-Americans, especially. That's, that's the demographic right there. Yes. Of the Hispanic community. They, they just they just totally dropped the ball on that. And they're going to be going to have to really think about do to start winning back to voters in the future because, I mean, that was a, a, a debacle pretty much. I was right. Right there. Um, again, I, I mean, I mean, again, Arizona is changing demo- demographics too, and Brett can probably speak to himself. I mean, it's just a different state now, and and obviously Joe Biden got helped by Mark Kelly, who's a very popular figure, right there as well. I think, but makes but this, sense. I mean, Mark, Mark Kelly did. It seemed like Mark Kelly pulled Joe Biden across, and it wasn't the other way around. Mm. Uh, Mark Kelly did get more votes than, mm-hmm. than Joe Biden did in Arizona. So I, I, I even looked that up, and that's absolutely true. So, so I would say that more so than anything. And then Kevin McCain probably didn't hurt the McCain family behind Joe Biden as well. And it is a pretty heavily Hispanic state, and the margins in Arizona were still good enough to carry Joe Biden across the that state, whereas um, now I think when when we talk about the suburbs and everything, that's probably where Georgia came into play here. Right. Why I was so wrong about it, and that's the state I really like to to, to put a target over is because that was the only state I got wrong, and I think a lot of it was Atlanta, and I would say that. Even as opposed to like North Carolina and why that didn't flip is mm-hmm. North Carolina did not have an Atlanta. And right. Atlanta is becoming a very, very big powerhouse 
in the state of Georgia. You started to see that in 2018 when Stacey Abrams was very close to winning the state, or at least forcing a runoff anyway. I think she was very close to forcing that runoff. Right. And there, so she was really close to that. And then this time, I mean, granted, there's only 13,000 votes, but I mean, it's still because of Atlanta, mostly, and those suburban counties, especially um, Cobb County and Gwinnett County out there, that, that really made a difference because the margins there were just insurmountable for Trump to overcome in the state, even though the office was the tell there. North Carolina doesn't have that, that that professional, like, like Atlanta yes. area, like that big machine powerhouse there. Like, there's a lot of mobilization in, in the Atlanta area, and give, I don't know, I don't know if you credit that to John Lewis or Stacey Abrams, like, a lot of people in Georgia, especially on the Democratic side, were pointing to those two figures. But Makes sense. There's something there in Georgia right now that's North Carolina and Florida especially just do not have right now. And that's what put Joe Biden over the finish line in Georgia. And why, in a way, like I don't wish we're not seeing a It's a remarkable story. And I think, to me, that's the story of the election with Georgia by far. That makes a lot of sense. And it's kind of like what you're saying. I would, I would. You know, it's it's like Atlanta is becoming a metropo- a metropolis onto itself. The way like New York City right. encompasses North Jersey, where I am, and Newark is New Jersey's metropolis, but it's still a sub metropolis of New York City. And I know Georgia's self-contained in one state, but kind of how we look at those big metropolises, like Chicago spills over into Northern Indiana, and like you know, Atlanta is this you know gravitational pull, center of gravity that North Carolina, you know, Raleigh, Charlotte is, is, is a little metropolitan, but it's not anything like Atlanta, which is its own thing within Georgia. That makes a lot of sense if that's what you're saying. Right. I mean, that is exactly what I'm saying is that, I mean, yeah, I mean, North Carolina does have their cities and, and everything. They do have, like, they do have a lot of people moving there, which has made the state closer. I mean, it's definitely more diverse than it was, but it's not as well organized. It's not as well organized, especially for the Democratic Party, as Atlanta is. Like, right. Atlanta is just becoming, I mean, especially when you add in those suburbs around Atlanta, like, Atlanta is just becoming a very dominant powerhouse in, in that state. And you add in, like, some of the other areas, like Savannah, which is a Democratic area. Um, right. I think. Right. Yes. Um, the Democrats actually 
built a mother of Anna suburban seat down there. Interesting. In, in the Sean, you're breaking up a little. You're breaking up a little, just so you know. You're breaking up a little, just so you know. By the way. Okay, I'm sorry. Sorry. I'm trying to pull that up, and yeah, but it's another suburban district around Atlanta that's up west, and it is Fort Dare. That's that's you. That's you one. So it's interesting because we keep. We keep talking about these suburban and metropolitan areas growing because of migration, just like migration patterns in the country. And it seems like Atlanta is still growing in that area. So that really may become a bluer, purpler state as time goes on because it's only going to grow. Exactly. I would would definitely say purple. Um, I'm hesitant to go as far as blue yet. Right. I mean, it's definitely going to be a much more purple state, and it's all due to that growth around Atlanta. So interesting. Yeah, like it's just it's just such a major um, player in that state now. Even more so than than Charlotte and Raleigh is in North Carolina. Right. I mean, that's why you see happen what happened from this time where North Carolina stayed Republican very narrowly and Georgia flipped to the Democrats. So interesting. Very interesting. Now, Sean, the last thing I want to talk about is just What's going on now? I mean, look, you're a political guy, even if you're not really into the edit- editorialization of things and, you know, you're more analytical, you're more logical. I mean, what is, you know, with this whole calling electoral, you know, legislators from Michigan to Pennsylvania, to the White House and trying to say that the election was fraudulent and these frivolous lawsuits, I mean, being somebody who's so focused on elections, who studies them all the time, who knows, you know, how elections went, how polling compares to the elections, all of these things, you know, A, I would ask you, should people really be surprised based on all the polling and predictions that Trump lost the way he did? I mean, it seemed like it was predicted. And B, does it do damage to our democracy, the fact that we had such a great achievement in the way we conducted our election with huge turnout, really well, smooth elections, no violence, hardworking people, but now it's being cast as some fraudulent thing? Does that damage something that should be a great achievement and accolade and a way to bring us together and make us more apart? I mean, what are your thoughts on those two things just before we go? Just more, you don't have to editorialize, but you can a little bit, you know, just just your take on it as an analytical person I think it definitely does a lot of harm and and I will actually editorialize here because this actually this charade that this president continues to go on is just just pathetic and for a couple days I I admit I found it amusing that he's preaching all this ridiculous stuff about how he won the election and, and there's legal votes and illegal votes or whatever the hell he's saying. Mm-hmm. In the end, I, I think it's just pathetic. And, and, it's not, and you hit the nail right on the head. It's just, it, it, it just really tapped out with, with almost half the country, at, at least, that, that the, this election was fraudulent, this election was stolen. And it, it is going to keep us divided. That This is... The most, probably the most damaging thing this president has done right. while in office, and he's done a lot of bad things, but this is probably the one that really takes the cake. 
it is when you start saying stuff like this because it, again it will keep us divided it's just very unfortunate because we did have such a big achievement and it, it could win to a to a movement to make voting harder and we've talked about voter suppression a lot or at least we hear about it a lot and right. it's just and, and now i mean trump's just going to fuel to this flame and and there's no evidence at all for it and that's like the thing like i mean he's lost fair and square right. and we even had a recount in georgia and the results held up and Joe Biden, like, was winning, is, is winning, like, so many other states he's trying to contest by more than, than he even won <laughs> right. against Hillary Clinton. <laughs> right. And you didn't hear Hillary Clinton fighting the results and right. saying it's fraudulent. Right. Right. I agree. And I mean, and he, he would say, oh, she kept going with the Russia thing. But I mean, the Russia thing came up with some substance and she still conceded. It's not the same, right? She conceded. Like the fact he still hasn't conceded is that's what just makes this pathetic. Yes. And it also is going to hurt the transition too a lot. Like it, the fact that he continues to charade and, and is, is trying to prevent Biden from gaining access to intelligence and and other important information right. he needs to to, to that's that's going to really do harm, especially with the COVID um, pandemic getting as terrible as it is like it's never yes. been as bad as it is now yes and and if 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 trump continues to basically obstruct 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 then yes it's it's gonna really put joe biden behind when he takes the oath of office and all because he's acting like a big baby and and isn't conceding this election yes it's just ridiculous it really it really is just Absurd to really sit back and look at. It's just crazy. Now, Sean, the last thing is this new Sean political action bracket. Just tell the people a little bit about what you, you know, you know, one's going to hold you to it, but what are you thinking about doing? What are some things they could watch out for in terms of, you'll be a regular on this show, so don't even worry about that. Every few weeks, we're going to have you on. We'll talk about all the things going on. That's already a wrap on the Logic and Larry thing. You'll be a, a regular here. But in terms of what you're looking to do with your political content, uh, just tell the people a little bit of what, about what they can expect because I'm sure they're looking forward to a lot of the things that you're going to be putting together. Well, I mean, a lot of it is going to be kind of what we talk about. It's going to be probably mostly the electoral side of it. I'm going to be mostly a pundit, basically. Mm -hmm. That's kind of like where I'm going to go with polls, but not just polls, just elections and and just election information in general. That's, that's what I am into. That's what I really love. love. That's what I really enjoyed. And, and I definitely discovered that like while we were still counting votes like two, three, four days yes. um, after the election. And, and I was given updates on on all these different states and, and votes to still come out and what to look for. Like it, it, I just had a lot of fun doing that. And I'd like to do some of the same similar things again and just kind of really broaden my horizons out quite a bit there i right now like i mean i i'm pretty sure i'll do facebook and i'm i mean i'm definitely going to be a regular on your show and i'm mm -hmm. sure you'll promote my stuff a lot more which i'll really really grateful for of course um i'll probably start like a youtube 
thing and maybe like a blog and a newsletter, but I'm still kind of in the early stages, so I'm still not exactly sure where I'm going with that yet, but I'm definitely working with different people and getting their perspectives and anyone who's listening now who has perspectives on what you like me to cover or what you like me to do even with this idea, I definitely appreciate it. Yeah, I'm sure they'll reach out, and that's all. And you know you'll be a part of this, too. And I'm looking to kind of expand and, and keep this growing, which obviously will incorporate you and your endeavors into it. So I think we're all kind of on the same page together here, and we'll keep growing. So we're all excited about that. That's awesome to hear. I can't wait for the first content to start dropping. We'll definitely promote it. We'll talk about it. It's going to be great. Congratulations on the, the awesome predictions, the fact that most of it came through. Um, it's just a it's just a cool thing and it was nice to have you on for kind of a little for lack of a better term victory lap to kind of go into it and delve into it uh we'll hear from you again very soon in the next couple weeks um i probably i'll speak to you on facebook but probably not on here before thanksgiving so have a happy thanksgiving and uh you know we look forward to hearing from you again brother we really appreciate and i know i do all the insight you gave leading up to this election, you know, it was nice to get a good opinion and a good analytical, you know, take on everything. It, it put a lot of our minds at ease. It let us know what to expect. And it, it just helped in a lot of ways. So I really appreciate you taking the time to contribute the way that you have. It's been it's been invaluable, really. But I appreciate you having me on. Like, I, I definitely enjoy this myself. And, and I enjoy putting my thoughts out there as much as I can and have people listen to it and i just i appreciate everybody really and, and definitely you larry for bringing me on and i i thank you again yeah brother all right dude love you man i'll talk to you soon man and um we look forward to all the content we look forward to having you back on again and everybody uh we, it's a mutual respect and a mutual appreciation and it's a great thing we're doing bro it's beautiful so i agree with that all right thank you so much all right later sean all right, later. Another great, another great conversation. You already know I'm tired, so the phone lines are open. So you better call in now. Don't even, don't even hesitate. Just call. Start firing away. Nine seven three five three six twenty five thirty. Call up. Sean, I'm excited for what he's, what he's doing. I really am. I, this is what we're doing, right? From all over the country, we're forming this thing. From Rick in Phoenix to Sean out near Pittsburgh to the other Sean down in Georgia, to Joe up in Boston, to Deeds down in Texas, to all of us across Jersey. I mean, this is, uh, it's coming together. We're kind of a team. We're growing together. So as we progress, as we get things going forward, as we continue to expand and, and go into different mediums, we are doing it together. And we're going to grow together. And it's it's like, okay, good. We grow together. So what? We're all friends. We're entrepreneurs. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But how about the fact that we're spreading knowledge and dialogue and reality? That's important. That's important. Rick. You there? How are you doing? How are you doing? See, listen, you, 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 your radio is too high. Your, uh, your hey, computer. It, it's your fucking delay, all right? I'm going to talk Jersey for like 30 seconds. Your fucking delay is fucking up my theme song, which I was trying to play to get into your show. But I get it, and I'm cool now. All right, so you, were, wait, you had a theme song to get into the show? Uh, yeah, 
what, what, what was it? That, you know, the delay is like, I don't know, it's a minute or something. So yes. I guess you're still talking, Sean's still talking, I'm playing, I'm calling you, I'm playing the song. Wait, 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 so hold on. I love it. All right, I think that's enough of that. I, I love it, but here, you know, next time, all you got to do is just X out of the show real quick and then play it. And then oh, you, I got you. <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying? But, but, but I dug it because it was smooth and I was feeling it. But anyway, I like that. I like that a lot. That fits the vibe, and you know the vibe, so I like that. I like that. <laughs> so what's up, bro? What's what's going on? So let's get started. I'm yes. Gonna, I'm going to try to go through this as quickly as possible because as Sean talked, I created a bunch more things I need to talk about. Oh, God. All right. But I'm going to start with an anecdote about me in college and how the fates like to fuck with me, Rick Crampy. Okay, right? okay. So, I was in this poetry group, right, because I did poetry and stuff and read out, and I was part of, I, I helped establish a poetry group with a professor when I was at good old Phoenix College, which is a community college. Okay. And so, what happened was, um, so this, this poetry group was formed, the Scribblers Guild, we're all in there, we're all talking, we're all reading our poetry, we're all passionate. Mm -hmm. The time comes to elect... Uh, officers for the group, right? Mm -hmm. My professor and me and a lot of the people in the class are thinking, oh, Rick's going to be the president. He's been fundamental in the creation of this. Yes. And that's just the way it's going to be. So this other guy shows up on the day of the elections. He brings like 20 people are you into the poetry <laughs> club yes. that's been around for two months about at this time. Right. And when I call him on it, he says, there's nothing in the rules that says I can't do this. So basically, and by the way, that name is dope. The Scribbles right Grill. There. I love that. So, but, so he basically, was he in the group the whole time or no? Rick, you there? Why can't I hear you on my phone? Can you hear me? Should be able to hear me. Can you hear me? I can't now. I don't know what happened. Can you hear me? All right. So hold on. So first yeah, of all, I, and I'll, okay. I'll edit that in post. So in the recorded version, it won't be there. But so the Scribblers Guild is an awesome name, first of all. That's what I said. Now, yes. Now, second, was this this guy was in the group the whole time with you, yeah. but not these other people? That is correct. So he saw the writing on the wall that you were going to probably get elected because you were instrumental in actually forming it. So he went out and recruited like yeah. 20 new people and literally the day of the vote made them members and they voted for him. Yeah. That's insane. So instead of, instead of president, I became treasurer. <laughs> that's crazy. I mean, that's how it works in college. I get it. But that's crazy. That's bullshit. Well, that's, that's, but that's, that's like the uh, question sort of thing about what's going on, right? That's exactly what's happened now. Right. That's nuts. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like, no rules. Like, they just they just walk in. Like, people who never voted, never cared. They see some celebrity star, and all of a sudden, they want him to be president. But they haven't been active, you know, not everybody, but most people. They haven't been active, you know, participants in the political system and actually analyzing what it takes to be a good leader and all the bureaucratic duties associated with it. They're just like, well, I watch this guy on TV. I want him to be president. Like, and it's not good. 
is what you're saying. Yeah, well, yeah. It, yeah it's, the, it's this whole idea of, well, it's not illegal. Right, 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 right. It's and not that, the way it's ever been fucking done before. Yes, 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 yes. Good point. Especially like, well, the taxes, it was a way to get around the, the law and pay less taxes, so we like it. Like absurd stuff. Right. I, I'm with you. It's bullshit. Sean Bracken talked about it and the differences. First of all, I already posted my comments about Arizona. That was all about McCain. It had nothing to do with Mark Kelly. Okay. Mark Mark Kelly won because he's Mark Kelly and not Martha McSally, who we've already voted down once. Right, right. So McSally was super unpopular, period. Which you said. Yeah. And, and, and her horrible ads. I mean, they were they were ridiculous. She literally did this ad like a used car salesman talking like, hey, I'm like Mark Kelly, and I do bullshit, blah, blah. That's right. I mean, it was ridiculous, dude. It right. Sick. And he never once attacked her. He never once brought out the fact that his wife, you know. Yes, you said that uh, was shot. So, yes, yes. Yeah. And, and, and never brought that up until the very end she came out, and she's like, he stayed with me for all this time. He's always been here as a man and my husband. He encouraged me and helped me through my rehabilitation. He's a real a real person. You know? Right. And that's respectable. And you guys obviously respect your little stoicism and frontiers, you know, type. And I mean that genuinely. You're like, okay, you didn't bring up the, the sympathy nonsense. You didn't attack her, though. You're like a, a, a upstanding person. And she's not. And we already voted her down once. Don't force her upon us. That's Kelly. But you're saying that's separate from the presidential thing. We don't even change our time, man, like we were talking about earlier. Yeah. We're like, daylight savings time? Go fuck yourself. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so the president thing, but you're saying that had a lot to do with McCain, you're saying. And that's interesting. I find that interesting. So, I, I mean, who was, at, who was at the funeral? It wasn't Trump. It was Joe Biden. Yes. And Obama eulogized him, from what I from what I remember. Cindy, Cindy McCain came out and said, "I'm voting for Biden." Yes. Arizona, listen. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. No, I do. That that makes he's a prominent figure in Arizona, and yeah. I understand because we have prominent figures here. I, I get it, 100. percent Yeah, and a lot of respect for that dude too, and, and especially like when he called that lady out who was saying Obama was yes. a Muslim terrorist. Yes. Like no, ma'am. No, ma'am. <laughs> yes. Right? One of the best clips ever. And, Still circulates. And, and his con- concession speech. Yes. And he was like, hey, he won. Right. Let's support him. Let's do this. And, you know, like I said, Arizona, that's Arizona. He's like first black man elected to be president. Right. That's great. And right. everybody's like, woo. Right. Right. Yes. 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 Okay, okay. But you get me off topic. So <laughs> let's get into this. Let's get into this whole idea that we need to recount votes, that we need to push lawsuits, that we need to lie, cheat, and steal this election away because we're fucking poor losers. Right. And we want to be a tyrant like Kim Jong-un and fucking Putin. Yes. Okay? Yeah. And this is my opinion. This is not reflective of Larry Crane's opinion or any <laughs> of the professional things he does in his real life. This yes. It's just me, some dipshit from Arizona. Okay. Thank you for that disclaimer. Right. Yes. You're welcome. So, so we're not, we're supposed to believe we're not supposed to investigate every state, right? Just the states Trump lost. Right. That's my first problem. So I'm doing some research, and here's what I find out. So the population of Wyoming and Montana, let's go there first, right? Mm-hmm. So Montana Montana has about a million people, just, just over a million, barely. Uh-huh. Trump got 343 
2,647 votes. Biden got 244,836. So we're supposed to believe all these cold motherfuckers in Montana are not having sex and having kids that are too young to vote, and over half the population turned out to vote for Trump. Interesting point. Right? Yes. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yes. Right. Oh, it gets worse. Okay. There are 265,929 registered voters in Wyoming. Uh-huh. In, no, in November, according to the Wyoming Secretary of State, there were 184,698 registered Republicans to vote. Yet somehow, Trump managed to get 193,559 votes in Wyoming. Why are we investigating that? Interesting, and I and I get your half dead ass serious, half tongue in cheek. Like, look, there's some fishy quote unquote shit going on in Trump one states. If we really want to nitpick and start pushing everywhere around and, and and trying to stir stuff up, we could do it all the time. Hillary could have done it four years ago too, but it's only these states that. By the way, we're supposed to go to Biden, like Michigan, by 150,000, and they did, and he's trying to act like it was fraudulent. Meanwhile, let's take a look at some of these other rural states where there's, you could, you, anybody could extrapolate something fishy from anywhere and make a big deal, but we're not that much of babies and ridiculousness, people. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, I mean 150,000, that's a lot. Yes. That's a lot. It is, dude. That's not, it's not insignificant. It's not Georgia where it was pushed over the top. And again, I commented on this, and we've talked about it before, where this, the rural votes versus the urban yes, votes, right? Yes, And most of the urban people, because they live in close proximity to other human beings, <laughs> right. have been practicing, like, you know, masking up and not going out as much and, and doing their due diligence to right. protect the entire country. Yes. Right? Yes. And, but all the rural boards coming first because that's rural. No, it's all the they live out in the sticks. Right. Yes, they do. Right. They, they just do. They He runs up crazy margins. And, Rick, just so they know, you're breaking up a little, so just make sure you're in a place that has good reception, just so you know. But in those rural areas, Trump runs up these crazy margins. But in all the metropolitan areas, almost in the entire country, even the red states, Biden pretty much won or whatever because— Proximity to people knowing how rough COVID is, proximity to people being more tolerant of diversity, less xenophobic, all of those things play a, play a role. And educated. Because yes. let's face it, there are no big colleges in the rural zones. That's true. Now, some people from rural right. America go to colleges and go back. But yes, yes, let's face it. People congregate around the colleges. Up there in the middle of Oklahoma. Yes. All the colleges are in cities. Very true. Very true. As are most of the main big businesses and, and headquarters of big businesses. So even if we wanted to get yeah. nitpicky, even the big businesses, whether they vote one way or the other, the large employers, the, the corporate, the everything, a lot of the hubs for education, business or otherwise are in the cities, period. Yeah, Boeing is not is, is in Seattle. It's not in Tukwila or Puyallup or Everett. You know what I mean? It's yes. in Seattle. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, uh, now we're good on that. Um, I'm not sure what else I had to talk about. Here. Oh, <laughs> Florida. Yeah. Florida, yeah. Right. So, so we had Hurricane Maria in 2017. Yes. 
right? That's mm -hmm. Puerto Rico's devastation. Trump, Trump threw him some paper towels. Hey, take care of yourself. That was horrible. And then, by the way, Rick, if you remember, he disparaged the leaders of Puerto Rico. Now, now, look, there was some corruption and this and that, like just ev like there is everywhere in every state. Yeah. But the way he disparaged Puerto Rico and acted like it was second rate was disgusting. It was disgusting. Well, not just that, but his, his lack of knowledge, right? He's like, they need to talk to the president of the Puerto Rico. Right. Yes. Yeah, that's you. Yes. That's you, dumbass. <laughs> that's right. Oh, I can't keep up, Rick. I can't. I can't keep up. Here's what happens, and I don't know, I don't know if uh, a lot of people are aware of this or people in Florida were aware of this, but I know the governor of Puerto Rico was aware of this. He released $13 billion in September of this fucking year. Three wow. years after Wow. Rico. To Puerto Rico, you're saying? Like, for that relief to fund? Puerto Rico. Yeah. Wow. I because, didn't know that. Because guess what? A fuckload of them moved to Florida because their homes were fucking wiped out in Puerto Rico. Interesting. Did not know so, that. Did not yeah. know that. Let's release that thirteen billion dollars to Florida, and then the Florida government or the Puerto Rican government goes, "Yeah, you guys, you know, you need to you need to think about this because oh. that's Puerto Rico." Didn't know that. Didn't know that. But that that goes to my other point about the ads to Venezuelan and Cuban Americans. That's another tactic. It looks like Trump had a had a look. All's fair in love and war. So whatever. But it looks like he had these sneaky little you know tactics in South Florida. And I didn't even know about the Puerto Rico one you just brought to my attention. Very interesting. That kind of closed that margin. Basically, won him Florida, which I think. The Biden people must have just been sleeping on her. Wouldn't even suspect it because who would? I, I didn't even know that. I mean, that's. Yeah. But that seems like he he pulled that off. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. No. no this, this this guy is crafty, and, and I've yeah. talked about this before. He's not intelligent. Right. You know what I mean? He's not intellectual. He's crafty like a fucking animal. Right. 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 He's he's. And, and he's he's got. I mean, they were everywhere, Larry. Right? They were like. The mail, the declaring mail-in ballots fraud beforehand, saying yes. I don't win, it's rigged. It was all planned. I, I just, good. Yeah, it was all planned. Like that's what I've been saying too. It yeah. was all planned. You're right. They, they covered every fucking base, and then they go, you can't count mail-in ballots till afterwards. Right. And then they go, how did all these ballots come in yes. afterwards? <laughs> yes. Ah. <laughs> I'm, I'm so angry, like, I'm ready to, like, taxi driver the world. Well, well, here's the thing, Rick. Here's what I don't understand, which you probably agree with me, is we know that he did that, right? But everybody yeah. was tuned in. They, everybody with half a brain saw us all saying, and even him saying, this was what's going to happen. Why do they still not understand where all the votes came from? It, is it, and I don't know, I know you're not a psychological expert, nor am I, but is it, like, did they really know, but they just want to use it just like he's using it? Or do they really not know? Because it's, it's so obvious where the votes came from. What's the whole Hold up. What's... Uh. They don't want to know. They don't want to know. Yeah. I mean, Trump got... I just... I cannot conceive how he got 10 million more votes than he did in 2016 when you have even Republicans defecting, right? Yeah. 
Well, I think, I mean, look, I wife, think... My wife's boss is 100% involved in politics. They deal with politicians every day. He used to be in in Arizona. He was the one that said, Arizona's going to go Biden. I'm right. voting for Biden because Trump's a piece of shit. Right. Right? Right. It, it's how did all this defection happen and Trump still get 10 million more votes than he did last time? That's well, the yes. Me. That's so crazy. How, how you... I would okay. say, honestly, I think the turnout was just so damn high. Trump did say, and there was a lot of reports coming out of certain states that, look, he didn't care about COVID. Like, Biden and all them were worried about COVID. They weren't canvassing door to door. Like, he was pulling out random people that... Like, as much as some people, when Trump got elected, were appalled, like, Jesus Christ, how did Trump get elected? I got to go vote. Other people were like, wow, Trump actually won, and I, and I like him. And they got more into it. I am of the opinion he really did pull these people out of nowhere, but so did Biden, because Biden got the most Biden got the most votes ever by any candidate in history, and yet Trump got the second most by any candidate in history. I actually think he pulled—I think the turnout was just so damn high— that it happened, but I know what you're saying. I mean, I think, Rick, that engagement on the Democratic side was higher than it ever was before with people who don't usually vote coming out voting. I read an article, I know it's anecdotal, but an article of some guy who was an African-American in Detroit who hadn't voted since the 60s, who voted this time for Biden. Then some other kid who was, you know, 25, never voted before, but voted for Trump. I think people came out of the woodwork. I think the politically engaged people, as many of them switched from Trump to Biden or third party to Biden, there were still a lot of people that just came out of the woodwork to vote for Trump. But it's still a resounding victory for Biden. I just think he did get more than he did last time, but it didn't matter. Biden still won with the switchovers and the new voters. That's my take, you know. No, right, and, and, and that's the thing. Okay, so Biden's what, like 6 million votes, popular votes ahead? Yeah, pretty much. He won by the same electoral college margin that Trump did, and Trump yes. lost yes. the popular vote, and he's screaming unfair. Right. He got 10 million more fucking votes than he got in 2016. Well, yes, Shut yes. Shut the fuck up and get out. Yes, that's, I agree there, man, 100%. It, yeah, he got, that's a great point, dude. A point I didn't even address. Great point. It's not like Trump got 10 million less than last time and Biden got 20 million more or the same as Hillary and we can say fraud. He got 10 million more. Where's the fraud? If there was fraud, why didn't they commit it better than this? They lost seats in the House. They might not hold the Senate. And Trump got way more votes than it did last time. What are we talking about? It's ridiculous. But we already agree, but it's so ridiculous. That's what I'm saying. Why, so back to the original point, why don't we go through all the red states and figure out what happened there? Right, how, right. How do you get three-quarters of the population of Wyoming to vote for you? Right, right, right. right. I mean, it, it, it's, it's disgusting, and it, it will not stand in this in, in the America that I believe in, right? Right. And your buddy, I can't remember who it was, Stafford? Yeah, yeah, yeah said something today and I and I just kind of mockingly threw something off and then I addressed it like I'm not I'm not bashing you dude you know what I mean right. it's just it's the idea of it the idea that this is America now and that I may have to go strap on and and recover my military training to to fight against this bullshit this this hair dyed bleeding snot eating bullshit <laughs> That, that is happening to this country. Like, when did this? When did we become this? 
right? Yes. We used to be first in everything, education, science, everything. We were the best. And now this is what people want to sell for. They're like, yeah, let's have the fucking dumbass run things for a while. It'll be great. It'll be awesome. Right. And, and, and just, just, yeah, yeah. And just to clarify your point, too, just for everybody, you know, it's like you're dead serious, but you're not trying to be militant or, or, or activist for no reason. You're saying, look, if somebody's going to try to steal my free election and my free country, I'm going to defend the Constitution and my freedom. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, this is it's yeah. egregious that somebody's trying to usurp a free election. What the hell? Every time I hear these militia people and people that support these phony fucking wannabe militants, I mean, I had somebody literally telling me, like, oh, what, the, what damage has the right wing done? And I'm like, well, how about the attack on the church in Charlottesville? How about the attack on the gay nightclub? No, in the last year, what have they done? I'm like, how about Kyle Rittenhouse? How about right, right. to kidnap and murder a governor of a fucking state? <laughs> yes. That doesn't count? It, of course it counts. Right, right. <laughs> How about this, Rick? They tried to, they were thinking there was a plot to kidnap the governor of Michigan. And then how about the people that were going to assault and maybe murder the vote counters in Philadelphia? People doing the work of democracy, they were going to physically, violently assault for doing democracy, for counting votes. That's a breach. It's a crime. We that here in Arizona. Huh? But we had a mini version of that here in Arizona. Well, yeah. Where they all showed up at the vote counting place. Right, but they were saying count them, right? But instead of don't count them. Yeah. Or what? Count the votes. Don't count the votes. Count the votes. Don't count the votes. <laughs> so now what I do is every time somebody talks about this militia shit, I just post footage of the AC-130 gunship in Afghanistan shooting terrorists in in Afghanistan way back when, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if that's a ten year old video or whatever. So they're five miles up. People don't hear shit. They're out of their little terrorist cave. They're milling about. You could, our planes, our military planes can see them from five yes. miles in the sky. Yes. And they don't know anything's happening until their truck blows up. Right. Yeah. They don't know. Right. 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 Yes. I'm like, what are you, you going to do, Billy Bob? What are you going to do? <laughs> right. Well, we know that's that's an age old argument, too. And it's true, too. I mean, yeah. What are you going to do when we literally can spot you from a satellite missile and take yeah. you out from yeah. the ocean? Said, you're probably going to you're probably going to be killed by some 20 year old sitting in his fucking mom's basement with a joystick. Right. 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 It's it's true, though. That's the sophistication of our armed forces. It really, it's it's crazy. I don't, I don't, I don't think they understand that that the military doesn't serve Trump, and it's not going to continue to serve Trump. And the more he pushes against our Constitution, which is what we were sworn to defend as yes. military personnel, yes, he, he's going to continue to alienate the military. And I've got lots of ex-military friends, and I've got lots of military currently in the military friends that say the same thing. They're like, yeah, no, not this guy. This well, guy's not stopping on our Constitution. It's interesting, too. I have a very close friend who uh, is near and dear to me who is uh, in the military, too, currently. And um, her sentiments are, you know, with, with what we're saying. And, and at the end of the day, the ballots came back from overseas. They were more heavily Biden than anybody thought. I mean, they're not... Yeah. 
people underestimate what the military is about and what the men and women who serve our country, who you and I both gladly celebrate every chance we get and commemorate. And you were you actually served. I never got that that yeah. chance, which sucks. But you, you got to serve. And and their allegiance to the Constitution. I got another friend who's who's a close, close friend who actually actually voted for Trump when it happened. But he one of the things he said Despite voting for Trump, not not about this, but but just about like kneeling and things. It's like, well, I fought overseas for people to kneel, so that's light. I mean, the the military allegiance to the Constitution, people should not underestimate, is what I'm saying. The Constitution prevails overall. It's trashing. Trump is trashing every single aspect of the Constitution and what this country was founded on. Mm-hmm. We agree, and we, and we got these people. We got these people that are defending, like, well, you know, the Ku Klux Klan has a right to protest, and the not- American Nazis, the neo Nazis, have a-, a right to protest. Which you know, you and I have gone around and round about. But I still say, fuck those guys. You don't. You don't get to decide the fate of our when people that who are uh, what's the word celebrating. Right. Yes. Never let you have these rights in the first place. Right. Well, listen, I agree with that. I, I, look, you know, I think everybody should be able to speak out, even neo-Nazis, whatever. Not that I like them. I don't. I, I can't stand them, as you know. But speech is speech. I think it should be more free than anything. But there's a difference between also neo-Nazis marching down a street and yeah. a sitting president trying to flip an election for you know, basically steal an election that he lost. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's, it's stealing an election. It, it's right, one hundred percent stealing an election. And you put that up, so I never that shit up about Giuliani, right, and the other piece of shits that are supporting this miscreant because they are more concerned about his voting base than they are about the country. So we'll save that for some other time. Yeah, we will come on for like the full hour. <laughs> we will, and we're gonna set that up soon too. I think. Uh, Maybe maybe in December, if not in December, which is possible in December, though, because if we're taking it easy, the election's over and all that, it may be have at least one guest lined up. Maybe we'll do something in December where we could just kind of have a, a fireside type chat, you and I, like you as the featured guest, maybe in the next couple of weeks. I think it'd be. Well, be... Sexy as hell. Sexy as hell, <laughs> well, everything I do is I'm a little bit sexy. Come on. Open some slippers. Can, yeah. can we do a video? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe, but I, I think that might have to happen. Actually, in in the next, we'll talk about that actually because, uh, and maybe go over some topics too beforehand, which I wouldn't even right. make it that political. It could be kind of political, but just more of a exploration of you your history yeah we'll, we'll talk about that because that's going to be a good thing and I'm, I'm excited about it so let's talk about that um Hell yeah. yeah i'm gonna wind down now that was an awesome call as always brother um and we'll, we'll talk about that we'll have that come up soon and uh enjoy the rest of your weekend brother as always great to have you on next week will be a pre-recorded but after that we'll hear from you again too so um, yeah, you'll be sorry because here's what happens when you wind me up for two weeks. Oh, uh, I know. <laughs> I like it though. Maybe I have to wind you up more. I, I dig it, man. So, brother, awesome. Enjoy the carnitas, by the way. They look freaking banging. And uh, yeah, awesome. Enjoy that, and, and we'll talk soon, my bro. Bye. Later, Rick. Take it easy. All right, guys. 
Another great show. We're down. We're down. People are getting tired, so. Uh, if you wanted to call, I'll have to hear from you next time. It was a great show. I want to thank Rick specifically. I want to thank Sean, Political Action Bracken specifically for coming on. I want to thank all the listeners. Thank all the contributors, all those who shared the link, all those who talked back and forth, all those who were a part of the show. I'm going to post this right now. It's available on every major podcast outlet. Next week, please listen. It's coming out Black Friday. Ian Franz was on talking about the United States Postal Service. I'm going to record, which I haven't done yet, a preamble, kind of talk about the events of the week and discuss what Ian's going to talk about. It was very, very enlightening. Something that everybody who's engaged in this podcast, who, who values knowledge and just learning about what's going on around us should really tune into because it was a really, really good interview. Um, and Ian really shed a lot of light. And I've known him for a long time. He's another very smart, intelligent, logical dude like the rest of us. So it's something to listen to. And then after that, we'll be back live again. I'm going to have Charles Riley on. I'm going to have Rick on as the featured guest. And we are going to continue down this path. We are... We're still a team. We're still uh, making things happen. And I I love spending these Friday nights with you guys. I had a blast. Hope everybody else did. Uh, And we'll continue to just be balanced and fair and talk about all the things that are going on in the world around us. And we'll always stay in reality. That I promise you. So I will talk to everybody very soon. You'll hear from me next Friday. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. Enjoy your families. When you can see them, if you can't see them, then my thoughts are with you and my thoughts are with them. Do whatever you can to be thankful for your health and your happiness. We will get through this. A new year is on the horizon, and it's going to be much better than this one. And I can't wait to talk to all of you again soon. Thank you for spending this Friday night with me. Can't wait to talk to you again. Good night. won Michigan by 150,000 votes. We knew that would be the most comfortable. Pennsylvania, it's up to 80,000. Wisconsin's 20,000, but it's a little smaller than those two. It's closer than we thought, but Biden also got a lot more. I want to get into that in a minute, too. Like The fact that Biden did outperform Hillary like in raw numbers, Trump just outperformed himself, too. I mean... You know, the polls were wrong, but how, I mean, were they, yes, they were wrong percentage-wise, Sean, but I mean, were they really wrong as far as indicating how it was going to go? It seems like with those three states, Michigan